everybody, welcome to episode 9 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk Podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I will be your host. In today's episode, we have got a ton of news in the reselling world. We've got a really ugly business recap for the Galaxy CD's Rocks store, and we're going to talk about free shipping. <laughs> so free shipping is seems like it's one of the more contentious points of discussion within the reseller community. There's some folks that are hard nose. They don't do free shipping on anything. And there are some people who are hard yeses. They feel like you should do free shipping on everything. And then there's folks like me that kind of split the difference. And some stuff I charge shipping and some stuff I don't. And I evaluate it on a category by category, item by item, weight by weight basis. So there's a lot of things that I factor into it. I'm not here today to tell you which which way is right, which way is wrong. I'm just going to share kind of what the different options are, the calculations you might need to make or certainly want to make before you make a decision on whether you're going to charge or not charge for shipping and what quote unquote logic I use to decide how I'm going to do it. Now, for starters, some categories are just are almost exclusively free shipping, particularly the media categories, where if you've been playing along at home, you know that's where I spend a lot of my time selling CDs, books, that sort of thing. Almost everybody that sells in that category is offering free shipping on their items. Not everybody, but the certainly the big majority of people are. So I just kind of go with the flow in that category. I do have a few things. If I've got the only one of something that's out there and it's particularly collectible, I may charge for shipping. I do have some books listed, some lots of really old books that weren't really worth all that much that I've tried a little experiment and I've priced them plus shipping, but put the selling price where those books actually belong at, you know, 50 or 80 cents a piece. So a lot of six books might be less than $5, but it's plus the media mail shipping, which six old hardback books might weigh eight or 10 pounds. So shipping's not going to be super cheap, even with media mail. And I'm still selling them here and there. So you can still sell some stuff if you make customers pay for shipping. Um, but the statistics, and we'll get into this in a minute, say you're more likely to sell it with free shipping. The other thing that I'll do is, obviously, if it's media mail, I, it's a fixed cost. It doesn't matter where it goes. Anywhere in the country, I'm going to pay X amount. So I know exactly how much to bake into the price because let's face it, ain't nothing free. <laughs> Somebody's paying for the free shipping and it's at the end of the day, in most of those cases, it's still the end consumer because most of us are just cooking that into the price. But with media rate shipping, I know what it is. I weigh the thing. I know it's X amount of weight. I know it's going to cost me. It's a fixed number. I can put it in and be very safe in knowing that I'm not going to take a, a margin hit when the item ships. I will generally do the same thing if I know it can ship first class. So if it's under a pound and it's an item that regularly ships from other sellers with free shipping, I'll go ahead and do it because under one pound at first class, there's some variance in the price from zone to zone within the postal service, but it's not a ton. Studies indicate that the free item, free shipping item, 
is much more likely to sell. So if you have an item that you're charging $5 for plus $3.99 shipping, and I have the exact same item, and I list mine for $8.99 free shipping, even though net-net at the end of the day, they're exactly the same price, $8.99 total, mine statistically is more likely to sell. And the psychology of that apparently is, A, people like free stuff, and B, they're willing to pay a little bit more for an item to get something free in return. And maybe they're just not real good at the math of understanding that net net, it's all coming out the same. Um, but especially in a category that is free shipping, you need to play along and take advantage of that psychology and that strategy. At least I do. Uh, again, you can do whatever you want, but this, the statistics say that that's the way to sell. Amazon has been a big factor in this, you know, prior to them, I don't think free shipping was really a thing. And they have essentially convinced the entire country that you should never pay to have anything shipped, especially anything small, um, which is where most of the stuff we sell generally is. So I want to take advantage of that psychological edge. I want to play along in the category. I know my costs are fixed if it's media rate or first class. So I'll go ahead and do free shipping on those kind of items. What about the big stuff? Here's where things get tricky and can get quite expensive. And you really need to weigh for yourself the pros and cons of whether free shipping makes sense or not. So let's just say I'm, ta- I'm, I'm shipping a hypothetical item from here in the Batcave. It's 10 pounds and it fits in just a regular box, let's say 14 by 10 by four. I'm not going to do box in a bag and do pirate ship or any of that kind of stuff. Those are all, you know, ways that you can save a little more money on shipping. Um, But for the, for the sake of this discussion, let's just say I'm going to do traditional it's in a box and it's going to ship in that box at X weight. So you go into the eBay shipping calculator and if the thing is going to ship fairly close, like within my zip code or within my postal zone, that 14 by 10 by 4 box that weighs 10 pounds will ship for priority mail for $9.76. That's not too bad. I could offer free shipping on that, depending on the price of the item, obviously. But if it's going from here to California, instead, that same box, same size, same weight, same everything, Sent priority mail is going to cost, wait for it, $37.78. That's a huge jump. That's $28.02 more to get across the country. Now, again, you could do the pirate ship, the box in a bag. You could look at FedEx or UPS, and you'll save a little money there. The rates on those are in the kind of $22 to $25 range. But let's say... For the sake of argument, especially you're a new seller and you go into the shipping calculator and you just use your own zip code to calculate what the shipping cost is going to be. And you come up with that $9.76 number and you say, you know what? I'm going to offer free shipping on this. That's not bad. That's less than 10 bucks. I'll do that. I can almost guarantee you that that item is going to sell to a guy or a gal who lives as far away from you as is statistically possible. (laughs) And you're going to get this shipping charge of 37 38 40 42 dollars and your head is going to explode because you did free shipping (laughs) so that's 
that's the thing that you need to be cautious of. So, and again, I, I don't want to get into the pirate ship and the, you know, UPS and all the rest of that. There are ways, if you set the listing up right to start with, that you can mitigate some of that. But that's the danger, again, especially for new sellers who haven't experienced all of that and don't know what all their options are. You create a listing and you say, yeah, okay, it's going to be free shipping. I'll do USPS priority mail. It's only going to cost me less than 10 bucks. And you do that. And the guy in California buys it and it's $37. And now you're stuck. You've cost yourself a ton of money. So what do I do? How do I handle that? So if I offer the free shipping on that item, I can I can try to build that build that amount into my price. But which which amount do I use? So if I use the the ten dollar the nine seventy six number, I'm woefully underpriced to the guy in California that buys it, and I'm going to pay the difference out of my pocket. If I price it to the thirty seven seventy eight number, now I'm way overpriced to the guy who lives right down the street. I've, I've tacked on $28 unnecessarily, which if I don't refund it is a tidy extra little profit, I guess, <laughs> if you want to go that route. Um, so I run the risk of in one area or another not being competitive if I try to bake all of that into the price of the item. So what happens if I switch it and I do just make it customer paid shipping? Now the price is set. I know the value of the item is X, whatever it is, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, that's the fair market value of the item. And the customer is going to be able to identify that as well because they'll see your item priced relative to the competition. Now, with the shipping calculator that eBay uses, it's going to show them roughly what it's going to cost to ship that item based on the information that you put into your listing again. So they know if they live right down the street, it's going to cost them $9.76 to ship. And if they live in California, it's going to cost them $37.78. And do I want to pay that much to get that item shipped here? So what do you do? Which, which of those options makes the most sense? You essentially have three, three choices. You do true free shipping. And you don't account for the price of the shipping at all in the price. And you risk sacrificing some profit, maybe quite a bit of profit, depending on where the thing's going. But you open up the entire country to a competitive price because it's it's going to be priced the same on the West Coast and the East Coast and wherever relative to where you are. It's the same price for everybody. That quote-unquote free shipping, you're, you're going to pay for that. The upside is you may have increased opportunities to sell it because A, you have free shipping and B, you have a fair, consistent, competitive price across the country. So that's certainly one option. Take the opportunity to maybe make a quicker sale, but for less profit. The second option is you do free shipping, but you price in the worst case scenario. Again, as I mentioned, with that, you're overpriced locally, but you're right priced to the distant seller. Essentially, you end up not really priced right anywhere because if there's another seller who has that exact same item that's closer to your distant seller, depending on what kind of strategy he's using, he may end up being cheaper than you because you've overcooked the price because you're just too far away. The third option is, of course, to just make it customer-paid shipping. And you don't, 
essentially have to worry about it at that point. Yes, you may limit your market because the guy on the West Coast or East Coast, depending on where you're at, may decide that he just doesn't want to pay that much for shipping. But at least it has been open and transparent. Everybody can see the price for the item and the price for the shipping. There's not, I'm not trying to bake anything into the price and call it free. It's very open and transparent and arguably fair. There's not really a right answer. Your decision in your business may be different than mine. As you may have gathered from the tone <laughs> of the conversation, I'm an option three guy. Um, you know, if I if I only account for the, the price of the local shipping, I can almost guarantee, like I said, that the thing is going to sell to California or Seattle. If I price it to the guy out there, I can't sell it locally because I'm overpriced. That option just, it doesn't make sense for me in my business model. So on those bigger, more expensive items, I just put all my cards on the table and say, I'm charging X amount of dollars for this item. And here's what it's going to cost real rates to get it shipped to you from me. And I let the cards fall where they may. Um, you may decide a different path. And I will tell you, we're both right and we're both wrong. <laughs> I don't think there's a good answer for this. Um, and that's why I essentially use, in some cases, all of those answers. I make different decisions based on the case of the individual item or the individual category. I can't, for me, put a blanket on it and say, I'm always going to do free shipping or I'm never going to do free shipping because there are times where I'd rather have the extra marketability of the free shipping. And there are times I would rather not have the potential risk of the margin loss on having to pay a significant amount of money to ship an item clear across the country. So I hope that helps. I don't think it answers the question necessarily because, like I said, I don't think there is really a right answer for it, but I hope it at least gives you an idea of what you should be thinking about and evaluating when you decide whether or not to offer free shipping. The guy who got burned by padding his item by nine bucks and then having to ship it to California for $39 is probably going to start charging shipping for everything. And I think most of us have been in that case. Um, and sometimes that makes total sense. And in other cases, it may make sense in a hyper competitive item to just eat that and make the quick nickel, get the item turned, sold and on the way for a little less profit those are decisions you have to make about your business that are beyond the scope of my capabilities <laughs> here in this podcast. But let me know what you think. What? How do you handle shipping? Do you do it free? Do you do it paid? Do you do it case by case? What's your experiences been with free shipping versus not free shipping? I know a lot of them, like the Rally Roots guys have suggested in numerous videos, try if you've got the same item, you know, in big quantities, try a batch of them with free shipping and a batch of them without and see what the results are of that. If you're in a position to do that, try it. It doesn't hurt to experiment. You can always go back and change it later. Um, but I'd be, I'd really be curious to see what your experiences have been with free or not free shipping. So I hope that was helpful with that. We're going to take a quick break 
to hear from my sponsor. Uh, quick shout out as always to my man, Timmy P um, for his sponsorship of the show. And with that, let's take a quick break. News updates. Man, there are a ton of news updates. I can't even tell you how many tabs I have open here. So I'm going to run through them in relatively quick succession. Um, I will dwell where dwelling is required and will not (laughs) where it is not. Uh, eBay has announced that they are extending seller protections for those impacted by Hurricane Laura, which was uh, quite a mess down there. And the California wildfires, which is also a really big mess. So uh, thoughts are with folks that are in both of those areas, if you've been impacted by that. Um, What a mess. eBay normally does this. They normally step up and offer seller protections uh, for people who are in those situations. So good on them for doing that again in this case. They also this week announced there are some new tools to help update and optimize our listings. Uh, Starting on September 9th, 2020, certain item specifics in electronics, home and garden watches, business and industrial and sporting goods categories will be required and you will need to update impacted listings. That's a direct quote from the eBay seller news team. Uh, you've probably seen messages about this in the past. There is the OptiSeller Aspect Finder tool that you can use. I've used it a couple of times. have not had particularly great success with it, um, but it is out there. And they have also added a item specifics download and upload file capability. You can go to your active listings page. Click on Download, Missing, Required, or Recommended Item Specifics. I have a little bit of a problem with that one because all I really care about are the required ones. The recommended ones, honestly, if I wanted them in there, I'd have put them in there to start with. Um, I really wish it was just the required ones that came back because I ran mine the other day. I ran it. It only lets you run three categories at a time, which is a problem also. But in those three categories, it returned 77 items that it said was missing, required, or recommended item specifics. I went through the first half of them, and every single one of them was only missing, recommended, not required. So I spent what for me seemed like wasted time looking at items that are not going to be hidden in the listings because there's the required item specifics were not missing. So that's kind of a problem for me. I hope they go back and fix that and give us the option to just download the ones missing required, not recommended specifics. In any event, uh, you open the file, choose from the available values. You can save it and upload it. Um, I didn't, uh, ultimately, I didn't end up doing that because the 30-odd ones I checked didn't have any missing required item specifics. So I just stopped. (laughs) Uh, That's probably going to be a handful that will be problematic for me, but I'm not looking through. um, I'm not looking through all those listings. I just, I don't think there's that many. I try to be really diligent about that. And I, I'm fortunate. I don't sell a ton of stuff in those categories anyway. Uh, If you do, you'll need to go through this exercise one way or the other, because if you don't, your listings will be hidden. So there's that. 
they also, I've seen this pop up from time to time, and they finally made a formal announcement on it, um, a new quote-unquote great price badge. Uh, recently launched a new badge on the search results page called Great Price. This new badge is intended to help trusted sellers that have competitive prices better highlight their listings and attract more buyers. Uh, appearance or placement of this badge on listings will depend on a variety of factors, including but not limited to listings from sellers that meet above or top rated seller status, above standard or top rated seller status, listings with condition new and matched to a product in eBay's catalog, competitively priced across similar listings on eBay, the items priced and shipping costs, listing format, terms of service, history, and relevance to the user query, and the buyer's search terms and browsing site. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about this one. I've seen it pop up on a few listings. I'm one of those buyers I will go in and I immediately change the search parameters to lowest price plus shipping before I do anything else. So this little badge probably doesn't affect me much as a buyer. Um, hopefully it affects me a little bit as a seller. That would be nice. Um, but, you know, any, any little trick that they can help um, highlight our listings, I'm, I'm all about it. But I, as, a, as a buyer, that would not mean anything to me. There's also uh, an update coming, if you haven't seen this, to the uh, eBay return process. There's been quite a kerfluffle about this on some of the Facebook groups. Essentially, they are automating the returns experience for customers. Beginning on September 14th, 2020, eBay will automate the returns and refunds processes for active managed payments sellers to align the seller experience across the eBay platform. Automation of returns and refunds saves sellers time, saves sellers time, easy for me to say, and enables them to process returns faster. Uh, essentially, they're automatically going to accept return requests and provide a return shipping label to the buyer wishing to return the item. Once received, sellers will have two business days to review the returned item and issue a refund or ask eBay to intervene if no action is taken, eBay will automatically issue the refund to business days after the tracking number shows a confirmed delivery status. At that time, we will close the return with no impact to seller performance. So in the past, if you didn't respond, didn't handle the refund, and they, I guess, had to do it, um, you could get a ding on your seller performance. This, this way, they will not be doing that. Uh, they claim it will shorten the processing time for the return, help us manage our returns more efficiently. I don't know. I'd rather do that myself. And again, I don't get that many returns. I think I've had maybe three total in the last six months. So it's not like it's a big issue for me personally. Uh, but a lot of people are really fired up about this. Uh, they don't want it automated when you match this up. With the fact that with the eBay managed payment system, as soon as a return is initiated, those funds go on hold within the eBay payments account. Um, uh, returns are a significant thorn in the side for a lot of sellers. Uh, moving on to some still kind of related to eBay, but the there's a report on CNBC this week. The Etsy CEO, say that three times fast, says that Amazon is trying to wipe out its competitors by backing a California consumer protection bill. Um, 
essentially there's a bill in California that would, uh, Etsy says it will burden small businesses with legal costs that and uh, workload that they're not equipped to be able to handle. It is uh, AB3262 is the name of the bill. Those bill names, they're always so sexy. <laughs> Uh, It seeks to hold electronic retail marketplaces to the same liability standards applied to brick-and-mortar retailers. Uh, It has garnered opposition from Etsy, eBay's public policy arm, and a slew of industry groups who say existing law already protects consumers and that it will stifle small businesses that sell products online. Uh, I know Auction Professor on YouTube, he was really hot and bothered about this particular bill and Amazon's support of it. Um, The CEO of Etsy argues that Amazon's support of the bill is actually in bad faith, and he calls it a abuse of power market play. They are taking bold steps, quote, to wipe out its competitors by promoting complex, hard-to-comply-with legislation that they, only they, can afford to absorb, he wrote. Amazon's goal is to be the only place to buy stuff online, hobbling mom and pops that sell unique items in their own shops, or more frequently since COVID through marketplaces like Etsy. Small businesses struggling now more than ever will ultimately bear the brunt of the overbearing burdens of this bill. Um, I don't know. I need to do more research on this one. Um, I am not initially as bent out of shape about this one as some others are. Um, The suggestions that I've seen essentially are to make sure that you separate your business from your personal and that you have an insurance policy against liability claims. Those are things a lot of small resellers don't want to mess with, um, which is kind of the point of the argument that the Etsy CEO is making. Um, Amazon reached out. They put a post on their blog uh, basically saying that they would be in support of this bill as long as all online marketplaces, regardless of their business models, were included. They believe that injured consumers should be able to seek compensation regardless of how a particular online marketplace makes money. Um, And on Monday, the lawmakers in California amended the bill to reflect that language, which is why people are so upset at Amazon. Um, this all stems, I believe, from a another court case that Amazon actually lost. They were dealt a blow after a California appeals court ruled it could be held liable for damages caused by a defective replacement laptop battery that caught fire and gave a woman third-degree burns. The woman alleges she bought the laptop battery from a third-party seller on Amazon's marketplace. Amazon has successfully fought those sorts of lawsuits in the past. California is notoriously overly consumer friendly, which you you can argue either side of that issue. There should obviously be certain consumer protections in place. Um, but this is the first time Amazon has lost this suit. And now they're essentially saying, you know what, if you're going to apply this, that's fine, but we want it to apply to all reselling marketplaces. So this will be, it It sounds like it's already passed the equivalent of the California House and is now going to the upper arm of the government. 
California being California, I assume uh, this thing will probably pass and then we'll have to make some decisions about how we want to move forward as resellers um, and see what the what the platforms actually do for us on our behalf. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, there is a report out that Etsy in particular is going to take a hit from the growth of Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Etsy drives a huge amount of traffic from platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, and they believe that the uh, new Facebook Marketplace push will hinder Etsy's ability to effectively use that platform for that. So that that will be interesting. Uh, I don't sell on Etsy. If you're an Etsy seller and listen to this podcast, let me know what you think about that. Do you use Facebook extensively to promote your listings on Etsy? Uh, let's see. What else have we got here? That We already talked about that. Uh, here's an interesting one. Tough times ahead for Amazon as India's richest man sets sight on e-commerce supremacy. I like to see somebody challenge Amazon. Uh, the world's richest man is locked in an intense battle with India's richest man over the country's bustling e-commerce market. Um, I don't know that this market is available anywhere other than India, but that obviously is an enormous market. I think it is the second most populous country in the world. Um, the company is called Reliance Retail. Um, they are going toe-to-toe with Amazon in India uh, for things ranging from normal household goods right up through pharmacy goods. So Amazon is is battling in, in the Asian market in India and in China with more homegrown options. So there is some, some chance there that uh, Amazon's quest for world dominance may be stymied and that uh that kind of wraps up kind of the the big news in the reselling world if you saw something or have an opinion on any of those topics feel free to reach out to me you can contact me by email at galaxycds at gmail.com if you're listening to the podcast if you go to my anchor page which there's generally should be a list a link in the show notes Uh, There's a place there where you can actually leave me a voice message and maybe I'll add that to a future podcast. Uh, Or you can go to galaxycdsrocks.com and chime in on the community message boards. With that, it's time for the Galaxy CDs Rocks weekly recap. And it's a painful one. (laughs) It It was not a good week. Here in the galaxy, if you watched, and it was, of course, terrible timing for it as well. If you watched my video or listened to the audio version of it on Wednesday, uh, you'll know that my water heater sprung a leak. So I had a major household expense there, which, as I mentioned there, I had the money to do it, but there were other things I intended to do with that money. And then you matched that up with the worst week I've had on eBay in months and months and months (laughs) so uh it was not it was not real pretty this week so uh sales i had a strong friday overnight into saturday morning and a pretty good saturday morning and early afternoon that helped to recover this to the mediocre point that i managed to reach 
Sales were way off compared to the last few weeks, $1,048.95. So the last two months worth, I don't think I'd fallen below like 1180 something. Most of them have been 1300 plus. So this was a real kick in the chops. Um, 1048.95 cost of goods sold 41.19. So gross profit was still really solid. 96.07%. Uh, can't complain about that. Just the, there were, a, a my sales velocity was actually pretty good, but there were a lot of little items, a lot of sub 10 and $12 books, and CDs. So it just didn't generate really the revenue that I needed. Uh, the item count was pretty solid, but the, uh, the money, which is the thing that matters most was not all that fantastic in operating expenses. I did, I had to order some, some thank you cards. I was out. Um, I do have a video you may have watched from several months ago. I send a thank you card and a little handwritten note with every order. I also use those as business cards I was about out of those. I have to buy that about once a quarter. Generally, about every three months, I got to buy a box of a thousand. It was that time, so I had to buy those. I had to get a couple other odds and ends office supplies. So I spent fifty three dollars and change in office supplies. I had my normal shipping and handling and bank service charges, and the big one, my monthly eBay invoice was due, which was the biggest one I've ever paid, six hundred and twenty three dollars and forty four cents. Um. So my total operating expenses were $1,037.24. If you're paying attention, you'll notice that my sales were only slightly over that, <laughs> which means when you do all the math on paper last week, my net profit was actually not a profit. It was a loss of $29.48. So I essentially, I paid other people to have a business this week. <laughs> uh, minus 2.81%. Again, that, that eBay monthly bill is something that realistically should be split up over the four weeks, which is why I'm not all that bent out of shape about how ugly this particular week looks. Uh, I took four weeks worth of eBay charges in a week. Normally, I do enough business that it offsets it, and I still show a little bit of profit this week. It was in the negative. I'm still way to the good for the month, so no real complaints. Um, not ideal, certainly, <laughs> given everything that happened here at the homestead this week. But, you know, things could always be worse. So that's kind of that. I did want to take one quick second to um, note the passing of Chadwick Boseman. I don't know why that one hit me like it did, but I saw that news and I was shocked. It literally took my breath away. Normally celebrity deaths just don't mean that much to me. That one really got me. And I think, and I commented on a friend's Facebook page about this in kind of like what I just did in today's sharing age, the least little problem the least little slight um, issue, whatever. We're on social media about it. We're sharing what's going on. Oh, I lost $29 last week. Oh, my water heater broke, whatever it is. And this dude had colon cancer for apparently four years. And he just worked and he did good work and he did good in the world. And he didn't, 
He didn't complain. He didn't seek attention. He didn't seek sympathy. He just got on with his business. And I think that's why it hit so hard. This was a really good dude doing really good things. And out of the blue, he's gone. And uh, my thoughts are with the family and the, the wider community, obviously, of people who knew and worked with and or respected and enjoyed his work. Um, normally, like I said, this kind of stuff just doesn't really doesn't bother me that much. But this one really, really got to me. And my thoughts are with him and his family and friends and those who have enjoyed his work. And with that, I'm going to call it a wrap. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. We will catch you next week. Thanks for listening.